0: We're in a series called Revive. We're in a series called Revive. It is a picture of a heart that needs to be resuscitated. It's a picture of a heart or a spirit that is flatlined but needs to be revived. And God begins to cause us to come alive. How many of you know you come alive when you put your faith in Jesus? You come alive when you ask him in your heart. You put your faith in God. Your spirit becomes alive. You become a new person Are you glad you're not the old person you used to be? You're a new person, a new creation. All old things are passed away and all things become new. How many of you are really excited about that? I'm excited about that. I'm excited about that. Miss, um, Miss Tara and Mr. Rob, actually, you know, they got flooding in their house Uh, They stayed down the street uh, with some friends. And I'm going to let them tell their story later on. But God knew this, what was happening, and God just laid out a plan for them and uh, just started blessing them. Uh, Long story short, they actually stayed with neighbors that knew me from a long time ago. So they knew the old Evan, and they had a whole bunch of stories about the old Evan. And I'm just glad I'm not the old Evan. And if you're here and you are living in a mess, then you're at the right place because God's not scared about your mess. Yeah, as a matter of fact, he's looking at you today, and he wants to help you. Amen? The Bible says that his heart is searching for those that really need him and want him. And so uh, I'm glad that we don't have to live in the old, but we become new. Amen? Um, this life that we leave in, live in Jesus, this everlasting life it produces a light in us. It produces a light in in us. We see this in Matthew 5, 14, or let's look at John 1, four through five. It says, the word gave life, say life, to everything that was created, and his life brought light. His life brought light to everyone. So when you have this new life with Jesus, He gives you light. Look at your neighbor and say, you have some light. We know the scripture in Matthew 5.14 that says, you are the light of the world. When you get a life with Jesus, you become a light to the world. The Bible says, hey, when you become a light to the world, don't put a basket over that light. But you need to let your light shine so that all men can see your light and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. How many of you want to be a burning light for God? He's done so much in your life that you want to be a burning lamp, a burning light for Jesus. How many of you in here, you desire that? You know, uh, we live in a world today, when we think of light, you can think of fluorescent light You know, you can think of halogen light, you can think of a spotlight, because we have electricity, we have electrical society, right? But if you would say the word light in the Bible days, you would only think of one thing, and that thing would be fire. The only thing that gave light in the days of old was fire. And how many of you know when God says, I want you to be the light of the world, he is saying, I want you to have a fire in your heart. Because I desire, God desires that we have a life in him and that we begin to shine for him and that we become a steward of that flame and that we begin to love people. There is a fire in us that God wants us to share. There is a fire in us that God wants us to share. In Matthew 3.11, it says this, he, speaking of Jesus, will baptize you with Holy Spirit and fire. He will baptize you with Holy Spirit and fire. I want you to write this down if you can. If you're taking notes, write this down. If you're not taking notes, write this down. This life in Jesus creates a fire in us that becomes a light for humanity. This life in Jesus creates a fire in us that becomes a light for humanity. If you want to be a person of purpose and begin to walk in the will of God for your life, then you need the fire of God. How many of you desire the fire of God to be the light of the world? Maybe you are going through things that we cannot even imagine You know, in dark moments is when God wants to shine his light the brightest. In dark moments, God wants you to begin to receive what he has for you so that you can shine the brightest and that he can get the glory. Do you believe that? Come on, let's pray. God, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We just ask you that you speak to us. Show us your word. Show us the direction that you have for our lives. Lord, begin to put a fire in us so that we can begin to live out this purpose that you put us on this earth for, that we can walk in your will every single day. Lord, ignite a fire in our hearts in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody says, amen. I saw something uh, on Facebook the other day. I think Hannah sent it to me. I think we have it on the screen. It's this picture. It's been a rough week, but I made it. How about you? It's been a rough week. Some of you might look like this tattered chicken running around, your feathers are plucked out, but he's alive. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm glad to be alive. <laughs> Some of you might, might feel like this. I'm not even really sure when the flood hit, but I know it was several days, it was about a week ago. I think it was maybe a Friday night. It was late at night and I started getting these things on my phone, right? How many of you got the alerts on your phone? How do they know how to get in touch with me? <laughs> they, just, they can just get in touch with anybody they want. You start getting an alert on your phone. It's like two, three in the morning. How many of you got aggravated? Two, three in the morning. They're like, who is waking me up? To be honest with you, I've had this alert before, but I seem to uh, ignore it because we've had uh, we've had floods before, and and so I thought you know I'm just not listening to that. And before I know it, when I'm waking up in the morning, I'm hearing of people having to get in boats and rescue people. I mean, it was a warning, I ignored it, and before I knew it, it was too late. People were getting in boats. We, we were in Livingston Parish the other day, and people were talking about how um, they saw a, a, a woman, probably 70 years old, floating on a mattress, just going downstream, floating on a mattress. They had to go in there, get her out. People were taking people off of their balconies. You know, they had uh, a... Um, they had a little boy and, and his father hanging on a fence, trying to breathe. The water was getting over their head, and people were just like crazy, saving people's lives and getting in there and yanking them out of their house and save. There was a urgency. There was an urgency that we haven't seen in a very long time. We had a flood before, it was devastating, but we haven't seen anything like this since Katrina. I mean, it was it was crazy. And really, I don't even, I, some of you still look like a deer in headlights. You know what I mean? We still don't really, we can't fathom the devastation that's happened this whole week. And really, I the thing that I noticed most about this week was how the church got put into action. Did you see that? How the church had an urgency. It had a fire. It had a purpose. I think the most beautiful thing about this flood is that you saw churches coming together. You saw all races coming together. You saw communities coming together. Yeah, give God a hand if you want to. Because there was a purpose, there was a need that people had. And I started to think, God, I started to ask God, I said, God, what would it take to keep this urgency alive? Because although this is a natural disaster, we are living in a time where there is also a spiritual urgency. There is a spiritual alarm that's going off. Either you're ready or you're not ready. We went in many homes that people that had insurance, we went into homes, people that didn't have insurance, I didn't have insurance, I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. You know, the Bible says at that day, that's what it's going to be like. Either you're ready or not ready when Jesus comes back. And I believe that today in the spirit, there are alarms going off saying that people are living in a flood. People are living in devastation. If we could see what was going on in the spirit because we live in this natural world and we can be moved of this natural world. But how many of you know that in the spirit, you know, we hear we hear in the natural, there's 150 homes underwater. And we go, and we freak out because it's that's devastation, right? But how many of you know that people are either going to live this life in inner eternal life or not. I wonder if the church is able to keep their fire. I wonder if the church is able to keep their urgency. I wonder if the church cannot hear an alarm and go back to sleep like I did, but hear an alarm and begin to get in their lifeboat and begin to save people. You know, Rod Bunkey says the church is a lifeboat, not a pleasure boat. The church was born to save people and to save souls. And I believe that just like that fire, that fire that God's talking about in your heart, that fire that you felt, that compelling compassion to help your neighbor, that it will not go out. My dream, my desire, what I'm asking God is that that fire will not go out in the church, that the churches will continue to work together, that our communities will continue to work together because we understand that there's an urgency in the heavens and Jesus can come back at the blink of an eye. Jesus can come back. As a matter of fact, Jesus said it was going to be like the flood of Noah that they're gonna get ready and all of a sudden they didn't think the rain was coming, but the rain started coming and there were people that weren't ready. Let me ask you today, are you ready? And if you wanna be ready and you wanna continue to stay ready, then it is receiving the life of God in your life and allowing that fire, that light in you to continue to burn and shine. Look at your neighbor and say, I wanna continue to shine for Jesus. You know, the the problem is, that we can get on fire, but then we, we can lose it. The problem is we can get on fire, but then we can lose it. You know, Revelations 2 speaks of this. John speaks of this. He says, listen, he said, I want you to go back to the first thing, the first thing that got you on fire, because if you're not using it, you're going to lose it. If you say, how do I keep my fire? How do I keep my fire if you don't use it? You lose it. If you don't use it, you lose it. How many of you want to keep the fire of God in your heart? It's what directs us, it's what gives us peace, it's what gives us purpose. Amen? And so, what God is speaking us today is to not be in like the days when John spoke of a church and said, You got to get back, you got to get that fire back. We want to be in the days of like Moses. Remember Moses, he was serving his father-in-law. He was in the wilderness and a bush caught on fire. Now, he wasn't amazed that this was this tree was on fire. This is not what he was amazed about. He was not amazed that the tree would caught on fire because in those days it got so hot that that actually happened. What he was in awe of is that the tree continued to burn. What Moses was in awe of was that this tree did not lose its fire. How many of you want to keep your fire? You want to keep your fire? Maybe you're here and you're like, I don't even have one. Today's the day that you can get one, amen? And so just like Moses, what happens? When he looks at this tree and is burning, he comes into awe and God begins to speak to him. See, when you have the fire of God on your life, God begins to speak to other people. God begins to speak through your life when you begin to burn for Him. There was a time where He began to look at this flame and God began to download Him about His purpose in His life. How many of you want a purpose? You want a purpose? Come on, how many of you want a purpose? God has given you a purpose, and in this time, even if you're going through a hard time, God wants us to begin to wake up of what's going on spiritually so that you can begin to get that fire back and you can begin to live on purpose. How many of you know that you can smell a fire? You ever been sleeping and you smelled a fire? Are you been sleeping? Smells wake you up, right? If there's a good breakfast cooking, you're waking up. Smells can wake you up. And when you begin to get the fire of God on you, you begin to wake people up around you. You can hear a fire. You can hear the crackling of a fire. When you have the fire of God on you, when you talk about God, it's not dry and boring. There's some passion, there's some fire behind it. How many of you want the fire of God? Come on, you can smell a fire. You can see a fire. When you have the fire of God inside of you, people are able to get directed. How many of you know that we see a light and we can follow it? We can, when we see a light, we know where we're able to go. Do you have that heart burning in you, that fire burning in you? I, I want to give you today three elements to keep your fire. Three elements to keep your fire. Andrew, if you can bring that that uh, lamp up here. Let's give Andrew a hand. <laughs> he's single and he's a hard worker. Just throwing that out there. Let's put that that right here. All right, all right, all right. All right, now, the Lord God says that we're a lamp, right? We're a lamp and either... We have a fire, or we don't have a fire. These are the three elements you need if you need if you're going to keep your lamps burning. I asked my mom. I remember when we had storms back in the day. She used to always keep this hurricane lamp. We didn't have we didn't use the flashlights all the time. There was this hurricane lamp, and and in this lamp, I always remember it because it could it could uh, put out as much light as you wanted. It to by adjusting the wick on it, but it needed three. You need three things to light this thing, and you need three things to keep it lit. Number one, you need oil, right? You need oil. The second thing you need, you need a wick, right? And the third thing you need, you need a flame. Let's see if this thing still works. Light it. You need a flame. Now, where's the top? Do we have the top? Now, I'm sure we have fire extinguishers, so don't get alarmed. This thing, it's going to keep burning. But you need oil, you need a wick, and you need a flame. And God wants us to begin to understand what it is to have the oil in your life. To have the wick in your life and to have the flame of God in your life. There's a way that you get lit. You know, the Bible says that God is coming back for a burning church. He's not coming back for a lukewarm church, an overwhelmed church. Because winds can come, but how many of you know you have have the protection of God for the wind to not affect you? Like this glass... The elements can't get to that wind. Why? Because it's guarded. How many of you want to guard that flame? You want to guard that flame. Now some of you, honestly, you know, this is how it works. When you don't use the oil, it dries up. You have to ask yourself, is my oil dried up? Because you can try to light that thing. You can try to get on fire for God. But if you don't have the oil, it's not going to work. The wick has to soak up the oil. For it to begin to burn. The wick is what is able to receive the fire. And so we want to talk about how you can remain, receive the fire of God. Listen, when you receive God's fire, everything else fails into comparison to Jesus. And you're in love with him and you're hearing him and you're feeling him and you feel this satisfaction of of walking in your divine purpose. How many of you want to keep the flame? You want to keep the fire? Now, many of us, many of us, we can, we can let the fire die out. We can let the fire die out. I don't even know how to turn that thing off. We can let the fire just completely shut off. Now, Jesus said, in the end days that it's going to be very similar to a story that he tells us. And he says there's going to be ten virgins. Five were wise, five were foolish. And the Bible says they're all waiting for their bridegroom. And five had oil and five did not. And he is telling us this story to show us what it's going to be like in the end days. Now, think about it. They're all virgins. They're all pure. They're all set apart. They're all Christians. Five had oil. Five did not. Five were wise. Five were foolish. How many of you want to be wise? And the Bible says there was a time where they had to have their lamps burning to be able to find the bridegroom because it was speaking to the end of time. It was speaking to at the time when we would have to answer to God. But five only have oil. Now, the five that didn't have oil, they ran to them when the bridegroom came and said, Hey, can we have oil? Can we have your oil? And they're like, No, man, this you gotta go and get the oil yourself. You gotta go get this oil yourself. We paid for this oil. How many of you know when that day comes, when Jesus comes, it doesn't matter what your family did, what your mom believed, what your dad believed, if your uncle was a pastor or your cousin was a pastor or a reverend, it doesn't matter. You have to get it for yourself. And God is looking for those that are burning. Now, this is a sobering thought for many people because if we really contend the flame, if we really take care of the flame, then you're going to be burning. And there are times when circumstances can come. Look, if you want to knock out a flame, just throw some water on that thing. If you want to, if the enemy wants to knock out a flame, he'll blow on that thing. Remember that little song when you were little, you sang in uh, in nursery school. What was it? This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. Isn't there a part of of that? Uh, don't let Satan blow it out. <laughs> Right? Don't let Satan blow it out. Why? Because the enemy wants to burn, he wants to blow out your flame. And we see people, they give their life to God and they're excited about God and they're excited about the purpose of God, but they come to a place where circumstances and winds and different things in their life blow out the flame of God. So we need these three elements. Number one, we need oil. What does oil represent in the Bible? Oil represents the anointing or your purpose. The oil represents purpose in your life. The first thing that we have to get is we have to understand that we have to make a decision that we were born for God's purpose. That we were born to win the lost. That our lives were for the, see, it's not enough to know it. It's enough to live it. It's not enough to know it, it's when we begin to live it, the more you live it, the more oil you get. The less you live it, the oil begins to dry up. How many of you want some oil? See, because oil costs you something. Oil costs you something. It is submitting to the purpose of God in your life. See, nobody likes the word submission, but it was really this thing, you come under God's mission, and we see that in Isaiah 61, the spirit of the Lord is upon us because he's anointed us, we have oil. The spirit of the Lord is on us, he's anointed us, why? We have oil. What does that oil come from? The oil comes from you saying, you know what, God, I'm giving up my life and my thing, and I'm picking up your thing. I'm giving up, you know, I I have to be honest that people that were were, were posting about the parties that they were having this week while people were on roofs calling for help kind of irked me a little bit, and it was a lot like the picture of the church sometimes. Yeah, we should enjoy our life. As a matter of fact, when we have the fire of God, it's the most you would ever enjoy your life. But there can be people dying all around us while we're enjoying the luxury of Christianity. How many of you know that God wants you to get that fire back in your heart? No matter the circumstance, God wants you to have that fire back in your heart. And it takes this number one thing. It takes oil. And the oil comes from submitting to God's purpose. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. How many of you know that God has called you to say a word to those that don't know Jesus? Five of you, that's encouraging. Come on, I'm speaking to somebody in here. How many of you, how many leaders in here say, you know what, I need the fire of God? Come on. I'm speaking a message not to get on to us but to say let's not lose the flame that we saw this week. Let's not get excited for a week and be urgent to help people and then lose the flame. Let's begin to increase the flame and let's begin to work together to get people one in the kingdom of God because time is ticking. And the first thing you have to say, oh yeah, 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 okay, I know. I know about you know the purpose of God. Yeah, but are you living it? The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. God is not waiting for people to hear just a telev- televangelist to tell people. He's waiting on you. And you get the oil when you submit and say, I give up. God, I want to live this life instead of my own life. I want to live this life not just when urgent times come. I get to shine my light, but I'm able to have the oil and I'm going to be ready. I'm going to be ready when Jesus comes back. I'm going to have that oil. Do you have that oil? It takes one decision to get that oil back. Look at your neighbor and say, it takes one decision. The second thing is this, is that you have to have your wick. You have to have it ready. This represents us having communion with the Holy Spirit. This has to do with communion with Holy Spirit. How many of you love the Holy Spirit? Jesus said, the problem is people can't hear and they can't see the kingdom. He said, the problem is people aren't hearing by the Spirit and they're not seeing by the Spirit and their hearts have grown dull. How many of you want your spirit to be bright where you're hearing from God and you're seeing from God? This takes us beginning to have a communion, have communion with Holy Spirit. How many of you know that the Holy Spirit is a person? Jesus died, he shed his blood, he rose again, and he sent his Holy Spirit. And the Bible says in Ezekiel that God would begin to change our heart that was hard and begin to make us soft again. And the Holy Spirit would begin to guide us. As a matter of fact, somebody came up to Jesus and said, Jesus, He said, How do I get in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus said, You got to be born again. He's like, Born again? How do you become born again? And he begins to say, Well, he begins to give an analogy that unless you are born again and come to Jesus, you can't see the kingdom of God. How many of you want to have eyes to see and ears to hear? You know, we say it all the time God, give us eyes to see, give us ears to hear. So that we can be receptive to you. It is either we, are, we have that wick that is receptive to God, that we're hearing God, and that we're seeing what God is doing, or we're not. How many of you want to hear what God is doing? See what God is doing? See, the Holy Spirit, he begins to show you what the kingdom of God is like. He begins to guide your life. See, it's more than just reading the word of God. It's reading the word of God and listening for the voice of God. What is God speaking to your life? What is God showing your life, showing you in your life? You know, the Holy Spirit, he begins to change you. See, when people give their life to God, they start acting in a way that nobody taught them how to act that way. Isn't that amazing? When people give their life to God, they begin to know what's right and wrong, and they begin to live this life without even anybody teaching them. It's because the Holy Spirit came in their life. The Holy Spirit's a real person. You know, if I ignored my wife every single day, there's going to be a problem. You know, Jesus died, he rose again, and the Father's in heaven, and Jesus is in heaven, but the Holy Spirit's on the earth, and that's how you get to know God. And we all have a spirit, man, and either is getting connected with the Holy Spirit, and we're able to see what God is seeing and hear what God is hearing and saying, or we are connected with these other things that has nothing to do with God. How many of you need to hear God and know God? I'll be honest with you uh, Leah actually had a dream about this flood even coming. And God spoke to us about this dream and began to speak to us on what to do when this thing came. And, you know, and it is hearing God and being ready for God to move. It is being ready for God to speak to you and move. How many of you want to get that today? God wants to prepare you and speak to you. God began to speak to my heart uh, before the flood came, and I began to ask God, "I, I you know, I, I want to be able to do this thing for somebody, but I don't know how to do it. And, and uh, the Holy Spirit was like, I'm, I'm about to show you how to do it. And I knew, he gave me a word about it, and I knew exactly when this flood happened, I knew that it was God's heart to act on that word. And in acting on that word, it really brought blessing to my life and blessing to other people's lives. How many of you know that we have to be ready in hearing God's voice? Don't wait to hear from God when he's ready to come back. Don't be, Don't try to hear from God and say, I got to get the oil. I got to get the wick. I got I to get ready. No, either you're ready or you're not. Are you hearing from God? Are you listening to what he has to say? I believe today God's going to speak to some of you, and you're going to begin to get a life in Jesus, and you're going to begin to hear him and know him and follow him. How many of you know that this is real life? This is the real life. There is a logical thing that you can walk out, but then there's a life when you're hearing God and you're walking with him, and this is the real life that Jesus speaks of, the abundant life. How many of you want the abundant life? Now the third thing, the third thing is you have to have a strike. You have to have a you have to have a flame. Now what causes this flame? What causes this flame? Do you remember in the Bible where it says that Jesus, when he was going to the cross, his face was set like flint? Do you remember that? Jesus' face was set like flint. Flint back in the day was made for a spark. And even today, you've heard of flint and knives. It was made for a spark. If you want to have the spark of God, then you have to be determined to obey him. Jesus, he didn't feel like going to the cross, but he made a decision and the Bible says that his, his, his face was set like flint. How many of you know that when you begin to hear God and you step out in faith and obey God, that God begins to bring a spark? Now, I mean, you can see very clearly when Andrew tried to strike that match, you never get fired without friction. You never get fire without friction. You're never going to get fire with just doing what you want to do. A lot of times when God asks you to do something, it's something that your flesh does not want to do. Jesus didn't feel like going to the cross. But he heard, he said, I hear from my father and I obey him. And how much did his obedience bring fire to the earth? It struck a fire that has never gone out in 2016 years. God needs you to strike a fire in your life to begin to touch other people's lives. You might be going through the worst time in your life and God says, I'm going to put a fire in you and you're going to have a purpose in you and everything fails into comparison from my fire. Jesus Jesus lit, lit a fire for us. Let me ask you, what is God asking of you? What is God asking you to do? See, because some of you, you have a really hard time sleeping at night. I know what it's like. Hey, give me the z Give me some, you know, I, I, I'm thinking, I I don't know. Some of you are up at night, You're you're looking at the wall, you're miserable. I know what that's like. Isn't that miserable? Where man, you, you're, you're doing what you need to do. You're going to work, you're doing all the things that culture tells you to do, but there's something in you that you can't get rest. There's something in you that keeps you up at night. There's something in you that irks you, and you just, your, your mind is going so quick you can't, you can't think. You know, the Bible says the only thing that gives us rest is obedience. Hebrews 4 says there was a whole generation that did not enter that rest because they did not do what God asked them to do. As a matter of fact, in Hebrews it says work heartily to get in that rest. I mean, that seems kind of anticlimactic, right? How do you work hard and get rest? Like, God, you trying to confuse me, but this is the secret. No, when you obey, do the one thing that God is asking you to do. He gives you rest. Come on, what is God asking you to do? It's usually not easy. What is God saying? What is God preparing? Is your heart burning and doing the things of God and obeying What God says, see, because there's another thing that obedience brings. We look in Deuteronomy 28, if you obey all the commandments of the Lord, I will bless you in everything that you do, that you will become overflowing. You say, well, that's the Old Testament. Yeah, but Jesus died on the cross so that we can receive by the Holy Spirit the blessing of Abraham. What was the blessing of Abraham? It was a man that came into faith and obeyed God. Are you a person of faith that obeys God no matter the circumstances? That lives in rest? There's no life that is so restful than when you know you're in the perfect plan and the perfect will of God. Even when it's hard. My dream is for an urgency. In the church that sees things that other people don't see. Jesus said, the people that don't know me, they don't see it, but you see it. Jesus said the prophets are jealous because they knew in a day that you would see that what they could not even see. And God is saying, hey, I'm going to begin to put in you my word. I'm going to begin to put in you my fire. Don't let it go out. Begin to get an urgency. Man, I didn't, know, I didn't know how to even, I, there were people serving all over the place because they saw the, the need. How can I help? How can I box meals? How can I go to the neighborhood? How can I help houses? How can I give? How many of you know that there is a bigger urgency today than the flood that happened last week? And that urgency is that souls need to get one to the kingdom of God. And the only way that they hear his voice and has eternal life is through us. Not from somebody saying, you know what, you need to really give your life to God because they feel like they're obligated to say it. But souls that are burning for him, souls that are burning for him, are you burning for God? Today is your day to burn for him and be in the perfect will of God. God's going to give you rest. God's going to bless you because he's asking you to step out and obey his word. Come on. We, how about today? We all make a decision. I make a decision to follow his purpose. I make a decision not to be selfish. See, the problem with the Pharisees is they did a whole lot of praying but not enough walking it out. The problem with the Pharisees is that people were dying all around them, and Jesus said, you don't even lift a finger to help them. And we can live in this luxurious Christianity, or we can say we got to keep the urgency. It's not up to to the pastor for you to keep the urgency. It's not up to the worship team to keep the urgency or your cell leader. It's up to you to keep that urgency, to keep the flame. And this is what John told The church, he said, this is the thing that I have against you. You've lost your first love. And you haven't done the first thing. God says if you want to get the fire back, you got to go back to that place where you had the fire. Where you were up at night excited about hearing from God. Nobody had to ask you to wake up and pray. You were excited about waking up and praying and hearing from God and crying in his presence. I was talking to a businessman last week that used to follow God. Now he's following money. I said, when's the last time you've cried in his presence? And he began to tear up. And he said, it's been a long time. Although he's making money, he's so dry. Although he feels like he has a vision, he has He's blind. Because when you pick up the vision of God, that's the only time you'll begin to see. God is saying, I know you might be going through some things. Maybe you don't know how to make it out. But if you pick up my thing, I'll take care of your thing. And if you allow yourself to get that fire and don't let it out, I'm going to begin to bless you. I'm going to begin to give you rest. I'm going to cause you to be a flame where people hear from God and people change from the fire that's inside of you.